Well, here's what we want to do, okay? Here's what we want to do. We want to give a little love to Thanksgiving this morning, right? Right in the middle of Advent, right in the middle of, well, you can see what's happened here, right? And, and for those that have volunteered and done all this, we are so thankful for that. So right in the middle of all of this Advent, we want to give a little love for Thanksgiving this morning. Now, here's what we're going to do. Next week, we will go back to Romans chapter 8, and we'll continue in Romans. Then after next week, we start our Advent series and our Advent season with you. Excited about that. Got a lot of things to share with you uh, about Advent this year. But today, we want to talk about Thanksgiving. And so what we've called this morning is this. We have called it Redeeming Thanksgiving. And I, I want to explain that to you for a moment, because it's actually a double meaning. There's two meanings to that, because it moves past the turkey and the stomach, it moves past that for you and I this morning, and it moves to our hearts. You know, and when you see this term, redeeming Thanksgiving, you think, well, Mark, I didn't realize it was lost, because when you think of redeeming, you think of something that's lost. And you think also, well, we've had some pretty bad ones in the past, you know. We've had their relatives show up that, well, we would rather not show up for Thanksgiving. Food didn't turn out the way we thought it would turn out. And, and so, but but redeeming, I don't, I, you know, I quite... I don't quite understand what you're talking about. Well, I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about that of redeeming the moment. Absolutely. That's what I want to talk about. Redeeming the moment, but also redeeming those spaces within our hearts. Redeeming the event. Yes, without a doubt, but redeeming the act of being thankful for you and I. So we're going to talk from the book of Philippians chapter 4. Starting with verse 4 in a moment. So grab your devices, grab your Bibles. If you want to follow along, those of you that are here joining us on campus, those of you that are joining us through church at home, we want to say good morning to you. Also, and welcome. We're glad that you're here. So grab your devices at home and get ready for us to talk about Thanksgiving for a few moments. And when you read Philippians chapter 4, there is a phrase in there that talks about the A word. You know, you know what the A word is? The A word is anxiety. It talks about anxiety, about being anxious in life. And how often do you and I need a moment of thankfulness in a space in our life where we are anxious, where we are worrying, where there is uncertainty? And all of those words, I think, just describe the year 2020 for us. Isn't that right? If there is a word to describe this year, it has been uncertainty. It really has. So many things have happened in this year. It's perhaps been the longest year that maybe you have ever had in your existence on earth. And so I remembered something in the middle of all the things that are going on in life. I remember something that my mom always said to me. And she always said to me, Mark, you ought to be thankful. That's what she would say to me. Mark, you ought to be thankful in those moments when you are anxious or when there is uncertainty in life. So what I realized when I thought about that statement this week, that you ought to be thankful, there are different oughts in life. Now, ought is O-U-G-H-T. It is not Southern vernacular. It is really a word. It, it really is. If you look it up, it's there. So the word, there are different oughts in life. And, and one is that you ought to do something because it's an obligation. It's a duty of yours that you have to do that. So for some of you, tomorrow morning, you ought to get up and go to work, right? If you want to get paid. I mean, that's the reality of it. Yes. So it's, it's an obligation. But then there is the other ought that you ought to do something because it's an amazing opportunity. And what I see in our lives 
for the moment of thanksgiving and for that of our life in general and a posture or position for us in life that we have this amazing opportunity to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for, even in those moments of anxiety and uncertainty. It's not just a day, but yet it is a position that you and I take in life, and that is to be thankful. So what I did is I I said, okay, let's find the passage in Scripture that would give us a whole bunch of thanksgiving words. And so I began to think, where could we find a passage of Scripture that would give us a whole bunch of thanksgiving words? And I came to Philippians chapter 4. Because Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4, it talks about some really thanksgiving ideas. The one is joy or rejoicing. It talks about that. It talks about that of being gentle or gentleness or in the fact your translation may use the word reasonableness. It talks about prayer. It talks about thanksgiving specifically. It talks about peace. And in the middle of all of that, it talks about anxiety. It does. It talks about anxiety. Now, here's the thing that we do at our house. And I I have to give you a story to kind of set us in the right direction, I think, for our talk this morning. At our house... The turkey is a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. Isn't that right, babe? It's a big deal. We already have our bird of thankfulness. We already have that, right? And, and it it's probably resembles a brick right now. If you dropped it on something, it would break it. You know, we're thawing it, getting it ready. So it's a process for us. And involved in that process is Reba. And she's the supervisor of, of what we do there with the turkey. And then there is Grayson. And then there is Mark. And we all kind of get our hands into it. Literally, we do. It's what we do. And so every year, that process takes place. And what we do, we thaw that bird of thankfulness, right? And then we go through this thing. We separate the skin from the meat, not tearing the skin, but separating the skin from the meat. And then we rub the turkey down with this amazing concoction that Reba makes of butter and all kinds of herbs. Now, if you put butter on anything southern-wise, it's good. Isn't that right? That's true. Yes. So, you know, if it doesn't taste good, put some butter with it. It's amazing. It really is. So we butter up the bird really big. We do. And then we, you know, get it all ready. We stuff it full of oranges and lemons and onions, which I don't like those, but you can't taste them, all those kinds of things. And we get it ready, and we put it in the oven. In the middle of all of that wonder, we're always worried about something, okay? You know what we're worried about? We're always worried about undercooking the bird of thankfulness till it becomes the bird of sickness, right? Yeah, and and we poison our family with half-cooked turkey. We do. And so in the middle of thankfulness, there is anxiety, you say, Mark, that's what they make those thermometers for that you pierce the carcass. With. I guess you call it a carcass. I think a carcass like something a buzzard would eat, but you pierce the carcass, right? And, and oh, I have thermometers. In fact, I have three of them. Isn't that right? Why? Because I don't trust just one of them. So I use three different thermometers at three different places to make sure the bird of thankfulness does not become the bird of sickness. And and so I do that. Well, Reba doesn't even know this, but I now have four thermometers. I ordered another one. I now have a digital one, okay? 
So I'm moving up in, you know, technology because I want to make sure this bad boy is done. And here is the thing. I never know it's right. We never know it's at the right temp and it's completely done until the moment I cut into it and I carve it for serving. But until that moment, there's great anxiety about that bird of thankfulness. What I realize about this process of being thankful is that thankfulness is a process. It's what I've come to believe and, and realize. It's, and, and when we read Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4 in a moment, we're going to see that. But what I realize, it's not instantaneous. It's not, but it's developed in our lives. It has to be intentional. I have to be intentional in the moments of an anxiety and uncertainty and worry that I have to be intentional, be thankful. So it's an, it's an ought to, yes, but it's an ought to for you and I this morning. That's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. So here's the journey to redeeming thanksgiving. It's Philippians chapter 4, and it starts with verse 4, and it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That, that statement is not just some Christian platitude or suggestion for you and I to rejoice. No, it is absolutely crucial that we rejoice. He says, let your reasonableness, by the word reasonableness, write the word gentleness. Same word. Be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. What? Right. That's what it says. Not even the bird of thankfulness, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These are very distinctive markers of who you and I are as Christ followers. So let me give you some steps. I'm a linear thinker. I like steps in life. So here's some steps. Step one is this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And you say, how does he, he tells us how? He tells us how. He says always and again. Why? Because my rejoicing and my joy in life does not come and go by outward circumstances. That is not the fuel or the catalyst for the joy that I find in life. In fact, if you go back a few chapters, it is Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what Paul says. What then? And I love this because we've been studying through Romans. It's truly a writing of Paul because he uses this in Romans a lot. What then? He says, hey, listen up. You got to hear this is what he's saying. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Here's what he's saying. Whether you are against me or whether you are not or for me, whether you are preaching that message of Christ, whether it's sincerity of your heart or some other motive, as long as you're proclaiming Christ, I choose to rejoice. I choose to have joy. So here's what he's saying. You don't manage my joy in life. You don't control my joy in life. Whether you are for me or whether you are against me, that does not control the joy of my life. So, Mark, am I going to have some bad days? Yes. We are living 
in 2020, right? You've seen all the memes on, on social media. Uh, you've, you've heard all the things said about this year. And it has been a very, very unusual year. And I think the word unusual is a very kind word to approach 2020 with. But what I realize is my joy is solely based on my relationship with Christ. And because of that... The world, the calendar, and the events that go on around me, they simply do not have the ability to steal the joy of my life unless I allow them to do that. It's this deep, abiding, spiritual quality of my life. It's an, it's an, it's a, it's an imperative. It's not an option for you and I. It's the mark of my walk with Christ. Can, can I explain this to you a little more? Thank you. Genesis. I have to read from Genesis, right? I mean, this is me, and I have to read from Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 26, helps us to understand who we are going back through the very beginning. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and then and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. It's what sets you and I apart from the rest of the creative order. And it's not just that we have thumbs or a conscience. I, I, I researched this. You want to have some really interesting um, information on hand for people? Here is one that you can have at your uh, dinner table for Thanksgiving that there are two species in the world that have thumbs. You know who they are? One is humans, right? And the others are primates. Primates have thumbs. But God made you and I very different even from primate because take your thumb, take your thumb for a moment, grab it, and touch your ring finger where you normally have a ring. Do that. Do that for me. Did you know you're the only creature on the planet that can do that? Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? What an opportunity to have a discussion at Thanksgiving dinner, right? Have everybody do that. You're the only person. But, but more than that, what I realized about you and I in the creative order is this, that all other creation has the ability to declare the glory of God. The mountains, the seas, the animals, they all have the ability to declare the glory of God. You and I, we reflect his glory. And there's a huge difference between declaring God's glory and reflecting God's glory. Because the reality is this, that there are untouchable and there are intangible things that God has sealed within you and I because we reflect him. And one of those things that is placed in you and I is joy. That we reflect the heart of God and that is joy. So it's not some Christian cliche. It's more than that. It's who we are. It's a marker of who you and I are, who we are in Christ is what it is. So we rejoice. So it's not how I feel. It's not whether I'm happy, right? It's not, not that at all. And it's okay to be happy. And I believe that God wants you to be happy, but more than that, he wants you to be fulfilled. But it's based on an understanding it's based, my joy is based on this one understanding about who I am. And that is that Christ found me and he loved me when I was absolutely unlovable. That I brought nothing to the table but the brokenness of my life. 
And through his death, he has covered me with my righteousness. That is the basis for our joy. That is where it begins. The gospel is the foundation for my joy and for your joy. Because it's in the Lord, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of 2020, in the middle of uncertainty and what may be happening and what's not happening, that we can have joy. Rejoice in the Lord Always and again, he says. So if that's step one, then step two is what Paul says. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. That God has freed us for joy always. Then God has set us to gentleness to everyone. It's First Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. Here's what it says about Jesus. And when he was reviled... He did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. And, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It's an attribute of God. It, and now a characteristic of you and I. That gentleness toward everyone. The Christians at, who were attending the church at Philippi. Here's what they're doing. They're being persecuted by those around them. They're being, they're, they're being uh, killed for their faith. They're, they ha- they're under great stress. And what God does and what Paul does is this. He calls us to exemplify this characteristic of Christ. Even toward those that are making life rough for us. Oh, it's easy to show Christ to those that are thinking like we think, right? It's easy for those that, to show Christ to those that are loving Jesus like we're loving Christ. Yeah, it's okay. It's easy. But in, Paul takes it to another level and he says this, that you show your gentleness to everyone. So that means that I don't have the latitude in my life to determine who I'm showing gentleness toward and who I am not. Isn't that right? It's the person next to you. Maybe you drove to church with him this morning and maybe that experience wasn't super pleasurable, right? Or this week has been rough at your house or you got to go to job, to the job tomorrow and there's somebody in your life there that's really like sandpaper to you. And so Christ says, no, you don't have the ability to choose who you are showing gentleness to or not. He said, you got to do it to everyone, even those that mistreat you. And when I researched this word gentleness, because I really wanted to know what it meant, it is a word that is used to describe how a monarch would treat the subjects that are under them, that how a benevolent monarch would love those that are placed under their care. And so it's this mirror of Christ and how he treats you and I and how he loves and cares for you and I through his gentleness. And that same characteristic is simply applied to my life. So as Christ has treated me, I treat you. Oh, that means I have to forgive, right? That means I have to forgive. Yes. That means that, you know, and I use the word have to because that's what you're thinking right now. Mark, you're saying I have to do this. I ought to do You ought to do that because of obligation. Or you ought to do that because it is an amazing opportunity for you to make Christ known. And he says that we show gentleness because Christ is near. Or God, the Lord is near. And I often thought about that. It's a, it's a theological term that that we call realized eschatology it's a big word and it's a big term i know but what it means is this it doesn't mean that because god is near he's watching you 
It's not the it's not the same thing of like, hey, you know, that maybe your parents used to say to you, wait till your father gets home. You know, just wait. Just wait. You're going to get it when dad gets home because so, I'm going to tell what's been happening. No, no. What it says to you and I is that God is present. And what that means is this, that he is present in the very moments of our life, that he is near, even in those moments of anxiousness. And because of God's presence within our life, in the present, then we show people gentleness. We rejoice in him. But it also talks about the future. It talks about that of Christ will return. And when he comes back, he's going to make everything new and he's going to correct all injustices in this life. And so what it's saying is this, God has this. Don't worry about it. God has this. It's a lens that you and I see life through so that we can simply rejoice and we can show gentleness to everyone. So in light of rejoicing in the Lord, in light of living life with gentleness because the Lord is near, then the third step is this, don't be anxious about anything. And, and I put the, the word what at the end because I, that's why, what do you mean? Don't be anxious about anything. Really? I've noticed in life that I don't have to go looking for a fight. Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes it comes to you, right? That I don't have to go looking for battles. What I realize, there's two types of battles in life. Those I look for and those I start many times and those that find me, right? But what I realize, the commonality of those two battles, the ones that I start and the ones that find me, the commonality of those two things is that it leaves us very anxious in life. It does. And so we struggle for this idea We struggle for this ideal that Christ is our peace. It's a real struggle for you and I. Because in the middle of the word anxious is the the letter I. And it's there because when we begin to focus on ourselves, when we begin to focus on I, when I begin to focus on me and my focus becomes off of Christ, then I really struggle with the ideal that he is my peace because of my position in him. And so I start to worry and I start to be concerned about things. My anxiety level begins to rise. Is it possible to live a life free from anxiety? The answer is no. And you know why? Because you're breathing. No, true. That's true. Because you're breathing. That's right. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have tribulation. But Scripture gives us this absolute firm foundation for peace in the middle of the conflict of our lives. And so I love Paul because Paul says, okay, here are some practical steps for you. How do I achieve that in my life? This Thanksgiving season, how am I going to be more thankful? How do I achieve this in my life? So here's what he said, and he lists these things in the text that I read previously from the book of Romans chapter 4. He says, in everything by prayer. In everything by prayer that we pray. Why do we pray? Because prayer does two things. Prayer acknowledges my dependence on God. Prayer says that I cannot do this on my own. Prayer says that I need something in my life. I need someone greater than myself. Prayer pushes me outside of my thinking that I can control everything in life to that of God being a greater power and authority of my life. So prayer says that I have this utter dependence on God, and simultaneously prayer says that I trust Him, that I completely trust Him. Paul says in the middle of the distress of your life, the Lord is near, 
And because of him saying that, he's in every detail of my life. He's concerned about every moment of my life. He's concerned about every conversation and every relationship. He's concerned about all those kinds of things about my life. And so we pray because he's close. Because, man, I need him. I need him. And when I pray, I trust in him. And it takes me out of, out of me and out of the box called Mark. And it places me to trust him in life. And then he says, in everything by thanksgiving. There's the word. Thanksgiving. There it is. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm thanking God? You know, every time something happens in my life, I'm thanking God for doing something for me or giving me something or providing. No, no. It goes beyond that. What it means is this, that I look at life and I look at everything as life, everything in life as a gift of God's grace. I see it all as a gift of God's grace that I don't deserve this. That, you know, it's one of the words that really fire Reba and I up, okay? And I have to say this, right? We talked about that this week. Is that, <clears throat> and, and if you've ever done this, this is not to put guilt on you, but this is to say, hey, straighten up, you know, and, 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 and stay away from this word, okay? And this phrase, but people say to others when they are on a great vacation or they get something wonderful or they have a new car or whatever, and, and people will say, you deserve this. Do you know what we deserve? Well, Mark, give me what I deserve. Do you want what you deserve? Do you really? No. Read the scriptures. I can tell you what you and I deserve. We deserve death. Mark, that's a downer. How can we have a great sermon on Thanksgiving when you tell us we deserve death? I want to tell you, but the beauty of this is and thankfulness of all this is that you didn't get that. What did you get? You got life through Christ is what you got. That's exactly right. And so everything I get in this life is by God's grace. It is. Thanksgiving meals. I love sweet potato casserole. Okay. Now, can I get an amen on that one? Okay. Okay. I love sweet potato casserole because it has a lot of butter in it. Isn't that right? Yes, it does. Reba makes that. And it has this crusty pecan layer on top. You know what? She bakes in the oven, has all those goodies in it. And, and it, is, it is like Thanksgiving crack is what it is. I mean, that's what it is. Can I say that? I, I don't know, but I said it anyway. It just came out. That's not in my notes anywhere. I don't know where that came from. Ah, I wouldn't blame that on the Lord, so we'll move on on that, okay? But, but it, it, is, it is amazing, and you can't get enough of that. What made something that grows in the ground completely covered by dirt and they dig it up and they wash it off and they put it in the oven and they bake it and they, and they smash it up and put some butter and some other things and put it in? What makes it taste like heaven? God. That's grace. That's great. And that, and that analogy is going to help us as we end this morning in a moment. But it, it is, that is grace. It's not just about me saying thank you to God. It's my posture in life. That's what thankfulness is. It's not about me just always making sure, God, thank you for this, or thank you, or praying over a meal. But it's a posture in life. It's the way I, it's the lens in which I see life through. It's the way I live life. And so here's what he's saying to you and I this morning. If you will simply pray, and in everything in thanksgiving, then I love this because what he does, he, he simply He affirms us and then he gives us a promise. He said, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. It's God's alternative to anxiety. 
that we submit everything in our life. I submit everything about who Mark is to prayer and thanksgiving. Everything to prayer and thanksgiving. Then the peace of God comes into my life and he will guard my heart and he will guard my mind. He, he will do that. And the last words that Paul used, he uses the word, two words, in Christ. Because that's what it's about. It's about him. It's about being in him. It's my utter dependence upon him to trust him completely in prayer and that all gifts are gifts of grace and that transcends beyond human understanding. It moves beyond. That's what he says. It moves us beyond our human understanding. I think sometimes we're full of anxiety because we can't think beyond ourselves. Man, if I thought I was the answer to the problems of my life, I would be really anxious too. And that's where I find myself at times. It is, and we all find ourselves there. How do I fix this? How do I live through this? How do I make this better? And, and, and I think some of those things, those things are not all bad within themselves. But outside of Christ, it's just the box that Mark lives in. And, and reality is that anxiety begins to rise in my life when I can't think higher than myself. And what I realize, I don't have to understand everything about life. I don't. I don't have to understand everything about the future and what's going to happen. I don't have to understand those kinds of things. All I realize is I trust God. And that kind of peace transcends my understanding. So let me finish with this thought. That redeeming thanksgiving rests in what occupies your thought life. When Paul writes so many of his letters, he writes and he uses a term, Timothy, Titus, other places. He uses the term sound doctrine. And what we realize and what I understand about sound doctrine is this, that there perhaps would be, the way I would describe it, there is a disease doctrine that we can follow in life, and, and there's a wrong doctrine that would eat away at our spiritual health within life. And when we lack thankfulness, and when we lack, I think, vitality spiritually or fruit or hope or our certainty within our lives, I believe it all comes back to some doctrinal issues, whether our doctrine is shallow or whether it's distorted uh, in some way. But what we realize when we have sound doctrine, we have a real sound understanding of who God is and what God does in our life and how God sees us and our place in Him, that it brings this spiritual vitality within our lives. I believe that most of our personal and I think most of our practical problems in life is because they are related to doctrinal issues. That we have this kind of distorted dis misunderstanding of who God is. So where are you going with this, Mark, when it comes to anxiety and stress and thanksgiving? Where are you going with all this? Because I believe there's two doctrines in this world and how you deal with stress and anxiety. And the world's doctrine about anxiety and the biblical doctrine about anxiety. And so the world would tell you this about anxiety. Here's what it would say to you. And, and I'm going to make some of you mad, okay? But that's okay. you got to love me, right? Gentleness, gentleness. But here it is. Here's what the world says. The contemporary approach to anxiety is this. They say, empty your mind. Just, just empty your mind. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Some of you say, well, my mind stays empty a lot. No, but that's not what it's talking about. So it says, take time off. Oh, here we go. Now you're going to get upset. Get a, better, get a better work and leisure balance in your life. And these things are not all bad within themselves. Block all negativity from your life. Have fun finding that island where you're the only one living on that. But eventually, you're going to disagree with yourself. Understand that. That's going to happen, right? Yes. 
Or some people say it's exercise. It's all that. And I'm not saying those things are bad within themselves. But here's what Paul says for us to do. Paul says, think. Yeah, Paul says, think. The world says to us, don't think so hard. Paul saying to us in the moments of stress in our life, in the moments of anxiety in our life, here's what he's saying. He's saying, think harder. He's saying for you to pray. He's telling you to be thankful. He's telling you to rejoice. Let me read the text to you. It's verse 8. Here's what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Six whatevers for you and I. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what he says. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And what does it say? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. There are six whatevers that he gives us. And we look for those everywhere we go in the creative order. Yes, it's not about just shutting down. It's not about saying, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to separate myself from everything in life, and then I'm going to eliminate all the stress. That's not what Paul tells us to do. Paul tells us to engage is what he does. Paul tells us to begin to think upon these things, to look for these whatevers in everywhere we go in life, even when they are not overtly Christian. Oh, this morning I came down from my office, walked to the lobby. The sun was coming up over Walmart. I would love to say the sun was coming up over the Rockies. It's coming up over Walmart, right? Yes, in the beautiful sunrise, there's the sign Walmart. Yeah, and so it is what it is. And, and I thought, God, what an amazing show that you're putting on this morning that you paint the sky orange just for us to remind us that you love us. And so those are the whatevers that I look for in life, even though they're not overtly Christian. Because what I realize is the gospel and of God loving me when I was unlovable is the paradigm in which you and I find what is true and what is admirable. That I find the story of redemption so many places in life. And when I look for those things, I'm going to rejoice. When I look for those things, I'm going to treat my brother and sister with gentleness. When I look for those things, even the moments of anxiety, that what I realize is I find peace in God. When I look for those things in, in that of prayer and thanksgiving, then I realize that, yes, in this moment, it's an opportunity for me and not something I just ought to do. I find redemption in so many areas of my life. I'm, I'm astonished that Reba chose me. I, I really am. That's, that's, that's redemption. It's like Christ, right? I am astonished that she chose me. And, and I think she just shook her head, yes, like you should be, right? Yes, yes, I'm astonished that she chose me. When, when I hold our new granddaughter, Selah, and, and I look into those dark, dark, deep eyes of her, and, 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 I, and I have this thought that, boy, only God could create that for our joy, you know? And Brad and Marcy are saying, hey, come over at 3 a.m. It's not always joyful, right? Yes, yes, and and. and this afternoon, I get to go to, uh, Reba and I have the opportunity to go to Atlanta. We, got to, we get to see our wild woman, Abigail, you know, our two-year-old. And, and she's, she's just, 
She's a wild woman. She really is. And, and she's just amazing. And she brings joy. And, and then I get to see the amazing beauty and strength of our oldest, Emma. This morning when my son Bradley walked in, he's serving upstairs in master control, that I looked at him and, and I had this redemptive moment because I love him so much. And he's so, so precious to me. And, and, I, and I had this thought, but that's the way the father looked at the son and he gave the son for us. I look for that moment. I looked at all three of my boys and say, how could I ever give one of them for others that don't even love me, but yet Christ did that for me and you? It's the whatevers. It's where we're looking for them at. We find the redemptive story wherever we go. It's the reality that I'm standing here before you with all of my faults and all of my failures and all the places that I just missed the standard. But standing before you is a story of redemption. So this year, I redeem the Thanksgiving moment. I redeem the places of my heart. I redeem the, the challenging moments of my life where there's anxiety. And I redeem all of those things today with joy and gentleness. I will struggle with anxiety as long as I'm in this earth. But I know God is greater. And he brings me <clears throat> through that journey through prayer and thankfulness. And then he gives me the promise that the God of peace is with me. The God of peace is with me. For some of you, you struggle with these spaces of celebration they bring back good memories and bad memories for so many of you and you will struggle with that this year as you have for years past I encourage you today to look for the whatevers to find those moments to look for those redemptive moments in your life and the people that you love and the spaces that you'll experience To blanket all of this with prayer and thanksgiving, knowing even in the middle of stress and anxiety that the peace of God is with you today. So trust him this morning. Amen. I want to pray for you for a moment, and then I have someone that's going to come and share with us a, a moment of thankfulness in their life. And, but I want to pray with you first before we do that. So if you don't mind bowing your heads, whether here on campus or those of you that are joining us through church at home, it's a moment to... Just, I think, shut out everything around you and have a moment with your Father this morning. So, Father, we are thankful for your goodness in our life. And our thankfulness goes far beyond just an exchange of words expressing our gratitude, but God, it is a transformation of our hearts that we see that everything in life is by your grace. Everything. And Father, you know us and you know the year 2020. None of this is a surprise to you. And Father, we can become so inundated 
with all the negative stuff that we want to do one thing, and that is shut ourselves off from everything. And you said, no, no, that's not it at all. You, you challenged us to think this morning. And you've also challenged us to look for the whatevers. So, Father, help us to open our spiritual eyes and our physical eyes to see your redemption in things around us. And in light of that, it fuels our thankfulness. And it fuels our gentleness. It fuels our joy. It brings peace to our lives. Thank you, Father. For peace is a deep spiritual inner working of our hearts, God. And it's not always, as you have taught us so many times, Father, the transformation of our externals. So bring peace to us this morning, Father, through thankfulness and prayer. And Lord, we give you praise. In your name, amen. Ronnie, come up here for a minute, bud. This is Ronnie Hill. Ronnie has been in a struggle for some time, and we've been praying for Ronnie. Yeah, I think, right? Yeah. And I just want to, Ronnie said, hey, you want me to tell something about praise or thankfulness this morning? I said, oh, perfect, isn't it? It's God knows. Share this with us, brother. Most of y'all probably know me. I'm always the ball man sitting down here out front. <laughs> Can't see nothing for the glare, but I've, uh, I've been a member of this church for a long time. And this man right here has helped me to do a lot of things in my life, along with God and a few other people. <laughs> but uh, I've been through the ringer. Back in March, I'm just telling you some of the latest things. Back in March, uh, in April, I was diagnosed with cancer of my neck. And they told me I had about three choices. I could either leave it alone, hope it wouldn't come back, um, get treatment for it. So I had a long talk with God about it, and he said, go ahead and uh, trust the doctor and do the radiation treatment. So I did 33 radiation treatments on my neck. I still see a little hair not growing there anymore. <laughs> but uh, I went back for the follow-up Thursday, and... Uh, cancer doctor there says well ronnie says you don't need to come back said all this is gone i said well praise Praise god God. that's some of the things that you could be thankful for yeah yeah i mean you could be thankful you talk about anxiety i had your anxiety right here all of you and i appreciate all the prayers that each and every one of y'all have given for me and brother mark because uh, if it wasn't for the prayer and for god i wouldn't be here amen i mean we serve an awesome god Thank him every day for it. And I'm just an old country sinner saved by grace. And <laughs> hey, he'll save you too. All you gotta do is ask him. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll ask if you ask him for your help, he'll give you help. Yeah. You just gotta ask. You can't just wait. You gotta ask him. That's all I got. That's enough. Give me a hug, brother. That's awesome. I love you. Should let Ronnie preach. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, brother. I appreciate you so much. So, would you stand with us, please? And I want to say to you, Happy Thanksgiving. It's an opportunity that you have. 
And I trust that this week you will take that opportunity to see the whatever's in life and find the redemptive story of Christ and everything around you and rejoice in that. Amen.